Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Boys Are Back in Time, the podcast where we go back to a year and discuss happening music that year. This is part three of 1970, 1970. where we give each other albums that we thought were interesting and we thought the other people would like. You know, my style is very, uh, I like a lot of folk rock and regularly like 70s rock. Brian was much more into modern music in comparison, and Ryan's and, and piece I'm, of shit. I'm into dubstep, so. Uh, dubstep <laughs> and uh, and Everett in 1970 was into Simon and Garfunkel, so we were way off. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see what how our tastes aligned and if we gave each other stuff we liked or stuff that was hilarious that we thought the other one wouldn't be able to handle. To get started, Brian, I gave you two albums. The first one was 12 Songs by Randy Newman. What were your thoughts on Randy Newman's uh, considered staple album? So, like, I knew Randy Newman from, like, the caricature of who Randy Newman is with the weird, funny voice. And it's Mm -hmm. not so exaggerated as it is in the caricature on this album. Like, it's Mm -hmm. definitely there, but um, it's not as exaggerated i i think he's like a good songwriter Mm -hmm. um i think his something about his delivery kind of takes away from his songs and you also told me to listen to nilson sings newman in conjunction with this which i did and it kind of made me think like wow randy newman was a very very good songwriter Mm -hmm. um because those songs were the performances were really really good Uh, compared to Randy Newman's performances of his own songs. I know they weren't the same songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I I do actually weirdly think that Randy Newman's going to be lost um, to time. Uh, Toy uh, Story, I think, will save him, but not like his true, you know, like, songwriting No, the, he'll just be the dude in Toy Story mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, he does... He does um, the scores for those movies as well, which yeah. are great. Like, he his composing for like an orchestra mm-hmm. surprisingly awesome yeah. but yeah these tunes like the short people and stuff it's it's not in this, not in this one but yeah i mean like you hear that and it's just like what is this like what is his deal but he wrote this uh, the hit this year it's on the billboard uh, mama told me not to come but oh yeah Donnie that's right yeah that's a good song uh so i i found it like enjoyable but not mind-blowing so what was your logic in giving me this bad boy? Um, so Randy Newman's like a really well-respected songwriter and um, kind of seems like a great guy in terms of his uh, his connections. And I also think he and Harry Nilsson together kind of represent two sides of a coin where there are some people who are great songwriters and some people who are great performers and inventive people. Like Harry Nilsson isn't just a great cover artist, but he mostly his covers are what he's famous for. And... He also is very inventive in the studio and does really interesting things, and he recognizes great songwriting talent that he can channel through his own medium. Yeah. And I think Randy Newman, I think it's a, I think focusing on the Randy Newman album is key to kind of understand this guy's a talented songwriter. He puts the songs together well, but when you put it into somebody else's like voice, yeah. it really adds another paradigm. And Nil- I feel like... Nilsson's album was a huge step up from Newman's for me, yeah. which was... It just... Because yes, I knew... I like I knew that that was what was happening. Yeah. I definitely like Nilsson's album more, um, I would say. Uh, but my next album I gave you, uh, I wanted to give you a prog rock album that I 
thought the especially the guitar work is awesome. It is the second album by this band, second album of 1970, Atomic Roosters, Death Walks Behind You. Yeah, I mean, I've I have this like internal conflict when it comes to prog um where I love a lot of it and hate a lot of it and this weirdly fell like squarely in the middle. I think that um when it comes to like musicianship um like I feel like for some of these guys they just mm-hmm. like all had the talent and they brought it together and they put on talented performances um but something about it like didn't have me calling back for it and it's probably the vocal performance and delivery and the style but the songs were interesting kind of dark death yeah, behind you, like, um and i i tried in, engaging with it on that level um but it you know because the songs are prog and they took a long time it, mm-hmm. you know it, i found that like that kind of undercut the message a little bit so i i didn't there are some prog albums that I've listened mm-hmm. to, and including in this year, where I'm like, I, I hate this, and I wanted to stop so badly, but I power through. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one wasn't one that I hated, but yeah. I also found myself like not inclined to go back. For me, this is a Primus Syndrome album, where it's like the musicianship's incredible, and then like the lyrics and the singing, you're like, I don't, I don't care about this. Like this is just in the way of cool stuff happening instrumentally. Yeah, but that's an interesting band. Their first album is a little weirder, and but a little more palatable i think i wanted to give you kind of the one where i thought the musicianship was on another level on the on the on another level uh carl palmer was the drummer in the first album right in fact oh from uh emerson lake palmer yeah he's not on this album though so yeah. irrelevant. they're a very different band from this band yeah so ryan <laughs> i gave you two albums the first one is an artist that everybody knows that we've discussed and we think we've talked previously about how we kind of we get it but don't care Eric Clapton had his debut studio album, Eric Clapton. Solo. Solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, the same time he releases Layla and other sort of love songs with Derek and the Dominoes. The Derek and the Dominoes record is stronger than this one, in my opinion. Okay. But, um, I mean, there's a couple of mm-hmm. tracks on this one that I knew well, like the hits like Let It Rain and Blues Power. Um, but, like, every song is a blues song. Mm-hmm. Nothing that creative going on. Also... Doesn't have a great singing voice, in my opinion, Eric Clapton. Definitely, I agree. Uh, with that. I don't get, yeah. I don't get. People always talk about him being one of the greatest guitar players of all time, and I just like don't see it. But I don't know. George Harrison fucking loves him to the point where he's like, "You mm-hmm. can have my wife." <laughs> you it's can, cool. Yeah, you can wife. literally have my wife. I actually, this album really I connected with. I think, um, I think in the mid late seventies, it just gets even more boring, which is hard. But, like, Let It Rain for me is, I think, my favorite solo song by Eric Clapton. Like, Non-Cream or Derek Madama's or Blind Faith. Um, mm. I think it just kind of nails the stuff he goes for where there's a rock element to it, but it's still blues-focused. And the guitar work is not overly complex, but really pretty. Um, I was I enjoyed what this album was, definitely. So I thought, I thought it would be a good gateway. And I think it just kind of nails in the point of our, like, taking Eric Clapton where it's, it's fine. Mm. You know, I will say there's an album he has in '87 um, or '89. I forget. It was it has the song "It's in the way that you use it," and uh, that album is a ten out of ten hilarious album. Um, the other album I gave you, Ryan, though, is an album uh, concept album, Lola versus Power Man and the Money Go Round Part One by The Kinks. 
Yeah, it's that's one of the album covers that I feel like I see all the time. Didn't realize what it was. And then Lola, I obviously knew because it's yeah. a single. It's on the Billboard mm-hmm. too. Yep, and uh, I don't love that song that mm-hmm. much, but like on the whole, it's a good song. record. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Ray Davies is obviously a talented dude, and yeah. the Kinks are one of the more historic like British invasion mm-hmm. groups. Um, and the fact that they're putting together a concept album in 1970, they must have been one of the first ones to go with that top. You know, the concept album's been around for a little while, but they're they commit to the concept album early on because in '66 we'd face to face, and that's like an early concept. You album. You say that, but like Tommy yeah. was '68 or '69. Yeah. What year was? I don't know. Either 69, way, 69, and the yeah. Pretty Things is largely um, that band was largely like for the rock the first like considered to be the first concept album but no one listened to it so it barely mm-hmm. counts like it hasn't been that long since people started even doing this but mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure that the kings were listening to tommy yeah yeah so, and they're like oh shit let's, yeah. like, let's also do that but yeah i i i enjoyed that album a lot i it, it actually made my top 15 albums of the year definitely nice well yeah. then excuse me no I, it was good i liked it <laughs> yeah. um but it's not one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. so your picks ryan <laughs> okay um so Brian, I gave you uh, "Sunflower" by the Beach Boys. Oh, uh, this was a this was a grower for sure, and a really good album. And I went into it being like, I I really liked "Surfs Up." It's my f- second favorite Beach Boys album, full stop. Um, and but you know, skeptical as this is the post post Brian era, but I shouldn't have been. I will say that the second half was a lot better for me than the first half. They're doing just, like, weirder things yeah. musically. Um, and I, I think that they were better at that than they, than they give themselves credit for, or they at least they didn't try it enough. Um, but, yeah, the Sunshine Pop songs were were good, and um, I'm surprised that they don't have more people who tried to do what they did. Like, there's not a lot of... Um, I mean, sure, like, you have uh, the doo-wop bands from the 50s and the early 60s, but... I just don't like that style as much. The Beach Boys are more like that with a, a surf element, and they're really good at singing. Yeah, um, it's just surprising to like that there's not more Beach Boys. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I, I, yeah, and I, I guess I, I think Brian's the best Beach Boy, but he's super not necessary for them to release a good album. Right. Yeah. I, um, I always just assume the Beach Boys are basically over after Pet Sounds because Brian Wilson kind of mm-hmm. like scooted out of the the picture after that. But like. No, this is great. It's an enjoyable album. Um, Add some music to your day. Every time that would turn on the playlist, I was like, let's go. I'm going for a yeah, ride. I know. It's awesome. Uh, and it caught me off guard. I didn't even realize I was listening to it. And I'm like, this is a beautiful song. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the speech was. The second one I gave you, Brian, is Tumbleweed Connection by Elton John. So this one was weird for me because like, Elton John is very clearly a, a really talented songwriter. Um, but this is... I think an album that makes me want to listen to any other Elton John music mm-hmm. um, because I, we, okay, I'm going to about to gatekeep a genre that I don't even like that much, but um, it's so weird because like country, he, it's almost like mocking them yeah. by mm-hmm. like singing about like, Oh, oh I'm taking care of my grandma and like, Oh, I'm getting my father's gun. I'm like, you're, are you making fun of these people? <laughs> like, cause your delivery is so jaunty. And so like, piano driven and it's like i know that you got your like appalachian strings in there and like your slide guitar to Mm -hmm. like get the idea of what country is but it's so not a country album to me yeah oh yeah uh i that just 
continued to throw lyrically it continued to throw me off but at the end of the day the songs were very well ar- arranged and written um so you know it, it, that's why it's such a, a weird album for me because i i kept being bothered by the fact that it felt like he was i knew he wasn't making fun of country but it felt like he kind of was that threw me off he's yeah. both he's both um paying homage to it and doing it completely over the top and yeah. that was kind of the intent of, of the album for yeah, me it's it, my favorite elton john album oh yeah. sorry but it's, no, no, it's fine you can you're good to feel that way but i for me i was like it's great because there's not like a big hit on it and it just kind of it works collectively yeah i just i just thought that like to me country is a thing that you it, it to me it was like um some like white dude from the burbs trying to, <laughs> trying to do like like wu-tang style hip-hop and that that's what it felt like and it was yeah. like even if you nailed it there's gonna be something weird about it <laughs> it's interesting because part of it is elton john's influence obviously because he, he wanted to go for that style but the other part of it is because he doesn't write any of his own lyrics um bernie taupin writes all of his lyrics yeah so he bernie taupin comes to, with to him with these type of lyrics and he's like all right like i guess i'm gonna write this style of music around it like <laughs> well this the other thing is that the song still felt so core to elton john like it still yeah. felt like elton john songs which is another thing there's like elton john's style to me is so not country yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so like the it's weird to hear a piano driven country song that's that doesn't like have like a rustic piano take, yeah you know what i mean right and piano in general Especially this style of piano is like very uncommon. Yeah, in country music. So, um, uh, yeah. sorry. I'm... No, no, it's good. He was still. I feel like Elton John was still trying to find himself at this point, anyways, because he's still early on in his career. It did make me go back and listen to Yellow Brick. Oh uh, yeah, Goodbye Road. Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye yeah. Yellow Brick Road again, because I was like, that album. Dude, this awesome. guy just he has the, he has the knack uh, for like pulling together great melodies and songwriting. Yeah. Dude, Funeral for a Friend, first Ooh. record. Oh. Sounds yeah. awesome. Uh, and then for for Bobby, um, I gave you <laughs> "Sex Machine" by James Brown. I don't need to like go into detail. It's just fantastic. I need to listen to it. It's just so fun. Like, so, like men, few people can pull off like a ten minute song and make it a great time the whole way through, but James Brown does because he is maybe the most passionate performer where it feels completely genuine. Dude, he was an unbelievable performer. It's and did this album's inc- is great. You just listen to the whole thing. You're like, this is so much fun. So much energy. Yeah. So much energy. So much. Yeah. Um, he, I think if you're talking about the '60s and the '70s, he's one of the top five people you need to include in your list of necessities. Yeah. To listen to in the in those decades. <laughs> Definitely so. Yeah. Uh, we got what Bruno Mars now trying to emulate his entire entire vibe, which is fine. Bruno Mars is great. Bruno Mars is great. Him and the he just released an album with Anderson Pack. That's very fun. Silk it's Sonic. awesome. Yeah, I, great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I read a review that said the only there's precisely one problem with the new Silk Sonic record from Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack, and it's that that it's not long enough. And I was like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bob, I gave you uh, Trespass. By Genesis, yeah, I very actually, early Genesis. Very early. I actually Genesis. enjoyed this a little bit because it seems like it's a little rudimentary. I don't think it's that great. Um, I don't know. I kind of this is a weird comparison, but if you listen to Faces' debut albums, also in 1970, they're two bands who both are like don't really know what they are yet and tr- yeah. trying to figure it out. But you know, there's great stuff coming. 
That was my main takeaway. And Peter Gabriel is like completely driving this band. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because Peter Gabriel's fantastic. He's awesome, yeah. We get Sledgehammer from him. And Sledgehammer's just perfect. Perfect yeah. song. Yeah. We get So. He yeah. arguably has the best yeah. album in 1986. That's so. right. Also, uh, Studio by Phil Collins is a great song. Yeah. I just had to say that. Yes, yeah, really. honestly, Phil Collins solo stuff, I used to make fun of it. I kind of love it. Oh, yeah, we've, we've, had <laughs> right, we've, we've done a flip on, okay, on, okay. on Genesis. Good, good, like, hey, we're good. The, the boys in Genesis are, are good. Uh, all right, the albums I gave, Ryan, um, I gave you uh, Santana's Abraxas. Um, and this is, Santana for me is just perpetually, anyone from our generation associates him with um, Smooth. With smooth. <laughs> and kind of views them as this like cheesy like one trick pony from the 70s but when you actually go back and listen um, I find it to be super dynamic and like wildly underrated dude yeah 100% um, I always when I was a kid thought of him as the guy who plays on smooth <laughs> but then uh, I watched his Woodstock performance and it's unreal um, this is obviously one year later but he has uh, the Fleetwood Mac cover of Black Magic Woman on this record, and one of the best covers of all time. But also yeah. the original of that song right. is great as well, people don't realize, because I think most people think that it's a Santana song, Black Magic Woman, it's such a good cover, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of like Jimi Hendrix with All Along the Watchtower, a lot of people don't realize that. Or it's Dylan. <laughs> people are like, oh, Dave Matthews, All Along the Watchtower. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but... Um, yeah, that was just a, a fun listen, and I don't know. It's just he's a awesome guitar player, jammy. It's funny when the the English uh, singer comes in, like singing in English. It's like, oh, all right, nice, like coming in hot. It's not Santana singing, but you know, he has a singer, <laughs> and it, it, the, all the songs are solid. Though there was never a point where I was like, all right, let's skip this one. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and then the second album I gave you was um, Caribbean artist uh, Exuma, who um, does almost like a musical. His songs are almost like a musical combined with like like Afro Caribbean um, rhythmic music and really all out performances on the vocal front. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this? Well, one? I didn't know what Exuma was, and then I most was like, people don't. That's right. Yeah. Well, I I knew that that word. It's uh, one of the islands in the Bahamas. It's called Eczema. And then mm-hmm. it, I clicked on it. It was like, oh, you, you said Caribbean. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, I didn't realize they were singing in English for a minute. Like, I didn't understand what they were saying. And all of a sudden, I caught some words. And I was like, oh, no, you're speaking English. I'm like, right, I better listen to what you're talking about here. Um, <laughs> they get songs about zombies. Yeah, dude. In the 70s, man. In they're the 70s. Pretty impressive. Ahead of the curve. Yeah, I liked it. It was... Uh, it's one of those ones that it's so different from everything else that we were listening to. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like uh, you have to like sit down and like I feel like focus on it even just to like get all the way through it. One of the tracks was kind of quiet with just a drum, and it was like I had my volume kind of down low working. And I'm like, wait, is it like my internet failed? Like, oh no, it's going. But it's the it, seance it, track. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, come on, come on in. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall. It's pretty enjoyable. Uh, never would have found it if we weren't doing this. So it's fun to find these new types of yeah. records fit, and fit the theme of discovery. That's yeah, right. So, exactly. So. Exactly. All right. And then um, Bobby, I gave you. Uh, I've been trying to figure out whether I 
how I feel about Frank Zappa, and I definitively know that I just love him now. And yeah. his weirdness sometimes doesn't land, but um, he's such an interesting guy. I gave you Mothers of, of Invention, uh, Weasels Ripped My Flesh. Oh, uh, so Weasels Ripped My Flesh was fun. I will say I liked his solo album a lot better in 1970. Okay. WPLJ is a great, just fun song. Yeah. Um, this album was good. It's a mood album, and I never found myself in the mood to listen to it, if that makes sense. And it didn't, like, it didn't, like, it's, I don't know, you have to be in kind of an odd, silly mood for it, and I didn't, like, it didn't capture me in that way. I, I feel like he's, like, on on the Eric Dolphy track, he's making fun of, like, free jazz, but also mm-hmm. nails free jazz. And then on, like, the Dwarf Nebula track, he's making fun of prog music, but nails prog. And <laughs> he's, he's really caught, good at the stuff he's making it, fun it's of. It's so weird because he never breaks character, so you don't know whether when he's making being fun facetious. of being facetious or not. And it, it makes it really entertaining because, like, is he taking himself seriously and or is he not? And the fact that he always nails it, him and whatever group of musicians he surrounded himself with always nails it musically Mm -hmm. just because if you did this and you didn't nail it musically you'd either be an asshole or a genius but like the fact that they always nail it just makes it so fascinating to listen to these tracks and be like how what's the joke yeah is there a joke (laughs) because some of the songs feel like they're like authentic but then you're like it's frank fucking zappa so i don't know if it really is (laughs) um but I loved, yeah, I loved this one. And then um, we both, we did a deep dive on Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, and, you know, both love that album, 10 out of 10 for both of us. Mm-hmm. But um, Nico, in you know, she's a famous experimental artist. And she has probably her most critically acclaimed album released in 1970, uh, Desert Shore. And uh, I wanted to see what you thought of, of her. Um. I've listened to Chelsea Girls before. I like Chelsea Girls. I didn't. This it was kind of boring, by Nico. I like thought it would be more exciting. Her voice is just bad. Like that's a tough thing, like, hurdle to overcome. <laughs> Nico just has a bad voice, and I yeah. was like, I, it's a very stylistic okay. voice. Yeah, and it just and didn't it hit. works when it's contrasted with other things. But I yeah. I did find that it didn't work as well as I wanted it too like i really wanted to mm-hmm. love nico yeah i i agree it just like wasn't connecting well for me she is not the driving force of the velvet underground and nico <laughs> <laughs> no but she's a best. great collaborator yes yes like, speak, did, yeah she works when when they have all that together but mm-hmm. did you guys have any uh deep cuts that you wanted to talk about oh let me look real quick i'm gonna this isn't a deep cut but uh and we'll probably talk about it in part uh, four as well, but uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, man, Deja Vu is a is a baller album. Dude, yeah. It really is. It's not. I don't think it's gonna hit any of our top fives. I, we'll, see. Um, yeah. we'll see. Don't speak we'll see. too soon, yeah. Bobby. I brought it up after all. Be- it's Neil Young's best-selling album. Think about that. Yeah, that's pretty that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Trans didn't outsell it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie though. It's funny, and I'm I'm probably. Uh, gonna have some folks who disagree with this strongly but on deja vu uh the tracks that i'm like mm, maybe i'll skip this one are always the one that neil young is, is singing on i'm like eh. um his yeah. voice is, it's funny because th- their harmonies are unbelievable and then they added neil young who has like 
objectively one of the tougher voices to oh 100 get on board 100%. with and it's like why, like why would you add him but he, they're great he weirdly harmonizes well too. yeah i was like he doesn't have a good voice he's able to harmonize where it makes sense yeah um i actually had a question to pose is the man who sold the world like proof of genius and when you listen to that did you listen to that album and in like connect with it because for me suddenly i was like this album's kind of great but also not like it's not a great album but it's great to see what that man was becoming i i thought it was um like really it felt really important for his career mm-hmm. in that he goes in a really um weird direction mm-hmm. um and it's the start of his sort of in more androgynous era and like um thematically some self-effacing stuff some humor um and like out- outer worldly vibes but i i thought it was it was cool i i don't know if it would um be any of the obvious bowie albums that you know we've gone through oh yeah no. or that i've gone through like it it probably it's not it, even... it, it feels like like heathen tier where I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, Heathen was very, very enjoyable yeah. and cool for what it is. Yeah, like Opposite um, Direction, where it's like, oh, he's still making good stuff yeah. versus this guy's going to be making great stuff. So. Yeah, 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 right. Um, I, I like the album as a like representation of somebody who's figuring it out and who's going to figure it out, like a nice trajectory bridge. And I thought it was just interesting to listen to it in that context. What would you guys think of uh, Jorge Ben Hor? That album's great. Yo, <laughs> it's so uh, nice. I was talking to John. He says his favorite album in 1970. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that's a strong statement." Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I get it though. Like, I it was very enjoyable, dude. Uh, Bossa Nova, just in general, like mm. we oh, need just, more oh, yeah. of that. Why? Like, it's always where's it? Should gone? we make a Bossa Nova group, guys? Yeah, we got it. Uh, Side what are we calling it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, call, then, we'll call uh, it Jorge uh, Benhor. <laughs> just what are you, name. What are your uh, What are your thoughts? My last question will be: What are your thoughts on Cat Stevens? I like Cat Stevens. His voice again is is a little rough around the edges, but like it works for what he he does. That folky sound he goes for. Um, is this the year of Peace Train? No, no. Peace That's Train so. is is coming up. This is Father and Son. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And yep. Trouble. Yep. Which Trouble's a beautiful. Song. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a great songwriter. Um, I feel like it's gonna be one of those polarizing voices for a lot of folks, but I enjoy his his voice. And his I voice. I hope he has. Oh, I hope he lives on because I think he's great. But I will say that, like, listening to his album, like T for Tillerman, um, I was expecting it to like really rise for me. Yeah, and he's an artist where the hits kind of are the best songs. Like the deep right. cuts are yeah good, but they don't connect the same way. Like Father and Son just is a fucking wild song. Yeah. Yes. I didn't get surprised by Nirvana being on the playlist because there's a British band in the yeah, 70s. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Uh, but the second the music started, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, this is something else. This is pre-Kirk. Uh, pre-Kirk Cobain. Yes, yeah, Pre-all pre- of them, before really. Any of them. Was Nate Brill born yet? Yes, he was. But <laughs> he was alive. He was like four. But... Um, well, anyways, thanks for, uh, thanks for checking out part three, The Discovery. Uh, sharing music is one of the best ways to discover new music. Um, and be sure to tune in for part four where we uh, do some superlatives, some fun and funny and some uh, you know some more serious and our awards. Yeah.